So you'll have Uber, you'll have Bolt, you'll have is it free now? And I don't know how many there are. And whichever one you get, and it's just like you're going crazy. Caffeine tablets, Red Bull, coffee, and, and whatever else. Because 16 hours, 17 hours, and then you come home grumpy. And that's not right. Allah Ta'ala make it easy, but that's not right. So it's all of these things. And we got so much of that today. Like you can't even escape it on your phone. Uh, what's supposed to be innocent WhatsApp. Even that is addictive. Even that's addictive. You just need to get a new message. Just keep checking for a new message. Because that makes you feel good. They've just really hacked the whole chemical reaction in human beings. They, that, that's like, if you say that this generation is when they've actually figured out really well how to control somebody's you know, uh, chemical reactions, mashallah, they've done so. Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, wa salatu wa salamu ala Sayyidina Muhammad, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa baraka wa sallama tasliman kathiran ila yawmiddin amma ba'd. Our dear brothers, dear sisters, dear friends, dear listeners, we continue with our series on Ibn Ata'illah's celebrated work called the Hikam, the Book of Wisdoms. Uh, we are uh, on page 95. It's wisdom number 13. We did the first part of it last in the last session. I'm going to just repeat the whole thing. We'll do the rest of them today, inshallah. So he makes four statements here. He says, كَيْفَ يُشْرِقُ قَلْبٌ so the first of that we said uh, it was how can the heart be illuminated while the forms of worldly creatures are reflected in its mirror because a mirror focuses in one direction at once so we we've discussed that or next part is how can it journey to allah once it gets illuminated then we journey to allah and that would mean when you journey to allah you get interested in journeying to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and when you get interested in something, you want to do it. So you'll, when you get interested in something that you want to watch, then you want to find every moment to watch it, every moment to use it, every moment to speak to them, every moment to read it, whatever it may be that you get interested in, if it's a hobby or whatever it is. So first, you need to let it settle in your heart. Once it grips your heart, then you want to do it all the time. You want to travel to it all the time. But then he's saying that how can you journey to Allah while shackled by the passions of the world? They're anchoring you down. And then the third one he said is how can it desire, meaning how can your heart desire to even enter the presence of Allah? You take a journey and then you get to the presence of Allah. The journey that you take is not necessarily a physical journey. Sometimes we do. We go 
to get closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we go to the haramain, we go to the masjid. We go to good programs, we go to gatherings of dhikr, so that we can enter into the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, special gathering, special sessions. But how can you do that? He's saying, how can it desire, even if it gets there, how can it desire to enter the presence of Allah while it has not yet purified itself from the stain of its forgetfulness? All of those years of forgetfulness is still staining our heart. And then he says, finally, and how can it understand the subtle points of the mysteries while it has not yet repented of its offenses? Now, uh, that one is a bit more complicated. The whole thing gets a bit more complicated. The first thing is that the light needs to appear for us to even start up. Then after that, we need to get close, travel to be closer to Allah. But we can't do that if we're just anchored down and shackled down. And then if we travel, then we need to be able to be permitted to go inside. But just like in the world, if somebody came into this masjid right now, and they were impure, they'll probably understand themselves that I can't come into the masjid. If they were dirty, they were not impure, but they were dirty, they'd feel bad about coming in. Others would feel bad about coming in. We know that we don't like foul smells in the masjid. Right? So people like to perfume themselves. If they've eaten something, smoked something, they feel bad or others feel bad. And we've been actually told. And this is just the place that we've actually designated to be a masjid. It's something that we have said, okay, this is going to be a masjid. Or this is going to be our prayer place. And once it becomes a prayer place, whether that be in a university, whether that be in a... Um, a business this is our prayer hall and you put a few prayer mats down then people feel a bit uncomfortable coming in there with impure or unclean or filthy clothing because it's just not appropriate so in the court of Allah himself these are just places that we've dedicated for the sake of Allah imagine in the court of Allah himself how can you enter if we're stained and then he says that if we do get to enter, how are you going to have all of the great mysteries open to you? Get the knowledge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the special openings that he gives to people who get very close to him. Um, that one sounds a bit complicated, doesn't it? But what it is, is that many awliya of Allah, they don't necessarily have to read a lot of books or listen to a lot of lectures they seem to get lots of ideas in their mind of some really intricate and interesting beneficial things. Like, where did you learn that from? But it dawns onto them from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's the mysteries he's talking about. The realities of Tawheed. What life is all about. There's a lot you can learn from the books, but there's a lot that comes beyond that. From Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sometimes it happens to us when we're there and suddenly something just occurs to us that is like, oh, it's a wake-up call or it gives us a very uh, clear way, provides us clarity about where we should be and what we should be doing. So all of that requires some purity. All of that requires not to be anchored. All of that requires not to be distracted. So that's essentially what he's saying. So the first one we discussed last week that 
the, the, the heart is like a mirror. It's going to reflect what we keep putting in front of it. Right? So we discussed that in detail. Now he's saying that you only have one heart. And that heart needs to be directed in the right direction. If you're going to keep it focused on all these created things of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then that means you're actually going to turn away from the creator of them. It cannot be one way or the other. You either turn it towards the creator or his created things. And if you are to turn it to Allah, the, the creator, then that means you're going to have some kind of uh, distraction from creation. Right? So, but the benefit of that will be is that you will now become closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you'll start traveling. That's why, that's where he says this second statement is, how can you travel now? If you're shackled down by your lusts and your desires and your pleasures. See, there's no way that your car can take off if you keep the handbrake on. Even if you really manage to, then it's going to be quite jerky because it's resisting. Like if your handbrake isn't strong enough, right? then it's going to be jerky, right? So you'd never be able to catch up speed. You're going to bother a lot of people as well if there's other people around. So you, even if you manage to take off, you're not going to get far. You can definitely not go fast unless you break the handbrake, which is what we want to do here. You, know, it's a, you, don't, want to break, you don't want to break handbrakes, but you definitely want to break the wrong brakes on our life. So that's what he's saying. That until you ha- your heart, فَمَا دَامَ الْقَلْبُ مَحْبُوسًا بِالْمَيْلِ إِلَى شَيْءٍ مِّنْ هَذَا الْعَرْضِ الْفَانِ As long as your heart is restricted by this inclination that you have of the love of the world, even if it is permissible things, one is you love haram things, that's totally messed up. That's never going to get let you go. But what he's talking about is that weak handbrake. That you love things which are permissible generally. You just love lots of food. Like you always want, you just really, food like really makes you, uh, you, you just thrive on it. And of course we all like food. You need food and you can enjoy food when you have it. But if you're 24-7 about food or about anything else for that matter, then, then that means... Because if you are too much about anything, it's not going to let you do something else. And you'd, we'd have that experience that when you're too much into one thing. For example, there's some people, they just need to finish off these uh, series. Okay? That's a really good example for today. Right? You just have to finish off the series. Five episodes, uh, what is it? Five seasons. Right? Each one with 80 episodes or I don't know. And you just have to do it over two days. If you could. If there were enough hours in the day. Alright. It just goes crazy. That means you're distracting yourself from something. I was speaking to somebody who is about 45 now. And we were just talking about computer games. And he said that 20 years ago, he got hooked onto one computer game. He just tried it out. Got hooked onto it. And, and he was a, a father by that time already. Working guy probably what, 25 years old or something. He said, I had to clock that game. Two, three, four weeks. And it was crazy because people were coming to see me and I was distracted from them. I was not indulging them. I missed so many other things and I just had to clock that game. 
Now that's quite extreme, right? That is quite extreme. But there are a lot of adults, not just children who do this kind of stuff. But I know games sound a bit weird, but there's a lot of other things that people are. Some people, for them, it's their job. It's their career. It's not even their business. But they want to ascend the ladder. So they give everything. They sacrifice themselves to that company. Uh, if it's their own business, it's even worse. Because if you've got your own business, you're 24-7 in business. If you work for somebody else, you're supposed to switch off afterwards. They try to give you phones so that you can take calls afterwards. And so on and so forth. They entice you with different things. So it could be anything. It could be anything. Um, even Uber. Because the more you're on the road, the more money you make. It's all like that. It grips you everything. This is the, this is the thing of the world. It'll grip you. So you'll have Uber, you'll have Bolt, you'll have, is it free now? And I don't know how many there are. And whichever one you get, and it's just like, you're going crazy. Caffeine tablets, Red Bull, coffee, and, and whatever else. Because 16 hours, 17 hours, and then you come home grumpy. And that's not right. Allah Ta'ala make it easy, but that's not right. So it's all of these things. And we got so much of that today. Like you can't even escape it. On your phone, uh, uh, what's supposed to be innocent WhatsApp. Even that is addictive. Even that's addictive. You just need to get a new message. Just keep checking for a new message. Because that makes you feel good. They've just really hacked the whole chemical reaction in human beings. They, that, that's like... If you say that this generation is when they've actually figured out really well how to control somebody's, you know, uh, chemical reactions, mashallah, they've done so. And you know what? It's only going to get worse. That's the thing. It's only going to get worse. If you don't sort it, it's not going away. Well, I doubt it. Right? It's just going to get worse, but there will be realities and maybe government might bring in, you know, if they really think. But then we live in a free, so-called free world where, you know, control yourself. Control yourself. Unless, it, unless some people start getting killed in it. Or they die or they start committing suicide. Only then, if there's enough of a lobby, people... And you know, this is all... We're, we're in this uh, test period right now of all of these things. And... and Good, good people, good, good family people are getting caught up in this. Some woman, uh, mother, was just telling uh, my wife the other day in, about um, in America, she's from America, that there's girls as young as, and boys, but girls 11, 12, 13. They go to a friend's house, they lock the door in a room, within 10 minutes, they've They've basically videoed themselves doing some really crazy thing in some really, really bad, with some really bad dress. And that goes up. Forget Instagram and TikTok. That's quite normal now for a lot of people. They put it on these other websites where people then, others, pay to watch them. It, there's before it was just ego, right? Before it was just, I want to be out there. But now you can make money on it. Like I hate to even say this to give anybody ideas. Right? And uh, you hear that, you're just like, it's only getting worse. 
this was like the realm of some really dingy stuff maybe 10 years ago that you really had to but now 10, 11 year olds can do that there's not enough oversight, supervision I mean nobody should be doing it you know it's not about adult and non-adult nobody's haram doesn't matter whether a 50 year old does it but you can make money on it now everybody wants money because you need to buy the latest makeup or the latest trainers or latest shoes or Dresses or whatever, because it's just a competitive world we're living in. Can you see how much shackles that we have? How are you going to travel to Allah? And you get mixed up in that, and then you want to commit suicide. SubhanAllah, we just got news. There's a massive conference, the biggest conference that takes place in America, the Isna Convention. A guy came out of the entertainment. They have an entertainment evening, right, where they do different things. Came out of that and committed suicide. Just heard the news. Wallahu, I'm not sure of the exact details there. But there's a lot of mental health problems. A lot of mental health. Because they can't, people can't keep up. Uh, what this, the whole modern trends are promising you is just fantasy. You can't keep up. You go into these big stores like Costco and the first thing you see are these big screens. And you look at the vivid colors that they've put on there. And it's like, this is not real life. You don't get those kind of colors in real life. Have you seen those colors? You know, because they put these special um, uh, videos on there that show you the capability of whatever the latest technology is in terms of multiple colors. I don't get to see that in the world. I mean, I mean, the world is a nice place. It's a beautiful place, but that's not reality. That, that's not reality. You understand? And they're saying that that's as good as real life. It's an artificial life that you're getting into. But what are you going to do about it? It's only going to get worse. It's only going to get more realistic, but more artificial. Right? So we're going to have to do, we have to control ourselves and get ourselves, our children to control ourselves and, and raise awareness of this. But that's what he's saying. And when he said this, he never would have imagined what kind of anchors we have, or there would be, what kind of shackles and chains, these virtual chains and shackles there would be. Allah help us, Allah help us, Allah help us. It's so easy, it's so easy. You're on your phone, you're looking at a lecture, you're looking at a newscast, and then suddenly that Google Shorts or whatever they call, they come up. So you don't even have to have TikTok. It's a competition. And then it's just so easy, it's just so easy. All right, so that's, that's what he said. We can only ask Allah for help. So he's saying that you're, you're just shackled with it and that means you can't move from where you are, you're stuck, you want to move. You see, Alhamdulillah we have Iman, that's what gives us some consciousness, that gives us some kind of guilty feeling, gives us some kind of concern. Otherwise imagine if you don't have Iman, what is it going to be for you? You only live once, you only live this life, just enjoy it to the fullest. And there's more people who are going to think that. Right, than people who actually have that concern. So everybody around you is, doesn't understand that unless you want to share that with them. Then they understand. A lot of people deep down, they want to get out of this. They realize they're not getting anything out of it. It's just too fake. They're not getting anything out of it. It's just too fake. So when a person is like that, you can't travel to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You can't get closer to Allah the light, if there's even that spark of light that got you going, eventually that becomes dim as well. 
And then he says that your heart is just too associated with these shahawat, with these uh, pleasures, and it stops you from even trying to stand up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then if you do get to stand up, then you can't really go far. That's the problem. If you do even stand up and one day you want to do that, you can't go far. I've said, you know, this experience that you can spend two hours on YouTube and your time will fly. Right? Your time will fly two hours on YouTube. No problem. Just try to spend five minutes after a salat, for example, in just subhanallah, alhamdulillah. And that time just, mashallah, stretches. And it seems so long. Those two hours go faster than the five minutes. Anyway, then if you do manage to even start walking, you can't go fast. And even if you do go fast, you're going to keep tripping up because it's still going to come and bother you. The reason is that, you know, everybody around you is doing the same thing. That's probably what your circle is, that people are going to call you, let's do this, let's do that. Why aren't you doing this anymore? You used to come with us, and so on and so forth. That's why um, a lot of people, when they want to wean themselves of this thing, you have to wean yourself not just of the haram, but also of a lot of permissible things because they eventually just grip you, uh, grip you and take you down. Uh, that's why one of the scholars said that having a number of wasps come and bite a wounded body already. I mean, how, how's that going to feel? You're already wounded, like you're sensitive. You know, when you're wounded, you're already sensitive, your feel, skin is feeling sensitive. And then you get all of these wasps or hornets that actually come and start biting you. Pain upon pain. It's just like really bad. You know, when did you get a, a bite and when your body's fine? But now you're already wounded. You're already down. He said that's actually much more easier and that's a much lighter issue than for these pleasures and desires to uh, start attacking you, attacking your heart, even after you have got it focused. You know, in the grand realm of things, that's what he's saying, that it's actually worse even though you don't feel that. So try to escape this, try to wean ourselves off this. So that the light will start illuminating in your heart. And that's why, um, you know, traveling to Allah, uh, the Prophet ﷺ physically did it. When Makkah became a place of no stay, of difficulties, couldn't worship your faith, you're being persecuted for it, you had to drop everything and leave. That's why, you know, in Medina Munawwara, you had the Ansar and Muhajireen. The Ansar were the landowners. The Muhajireen had to get by with business because they weren't original people of that area. They didn't have land. They had to get by with business. Right? So they weren't uh, generally people with land and assets. They, they seem to be more stable, right? Because it's more fixed asset. It's more, you know, endures a bit longer. Uh, business things, you know, things can happen. Land seems to just keep going on in England. It just keeps, seems to go up, right? Alhamdulillah, subhanallah. Inna lillahi wa inna rajiun, whatever it is, I don't know what the next 10, 15 years bring. Uh, now that the pound to the dollar has gone crazy, right? they're nearly the same, never happened before. I don't know where things are going. Allah hifazat I don't know where things are going, subhanAllah. Right? You can't live in debt for how long? You can't keep borrowing, can you? I don't know how these countries survive, these Western countries. They just keep borrowing. Any other country 
would have been bankrupt by now. But I guess we can do it because they know how to manipulate the markets and control the whole thing, even with a massive bloated debt, right? You can still do it. We're all part of that. And we're all enjoying that. Allah maafkar. And Allah ta'ala protect us from any downfall because it can't sustain itself for that long. Any other country will get destroyed. So cut these ties. Cut these shackles. Get away from this. And migrate. You don't have to physically migrate, but at least virtually migrate. You know, from the bad to the good. They say that uh, you have to constantly be doing something better than what you are. Otherwise, you will become stagnant. If you just keep doing the same thing and you don't try to improve yourself, this isn't anything by the way. If you don't try to improve yourself, you're going to be overcome, you're going to be beaten, somebody else is going to go ahead of you. This is in the business world as well. So many companies have gone bust because they didn't keep up with the times, with the moving technology, moving trends, and so on, right? There's lots of companies. Likewise, in the deen, you have to keep upgrading yourself. That's why they say that. A person who's looking for Allah is like water. If, he, if that water just stays stagnant in one place for too long, what happens to water that just stays for too long? It, it no longer remains fresh, right? It becomes stagnant. However, if that same water just runs over some rocks and mountains and, and, and so on and so forth, it becomes good water. Right? So likewise, with your physical efforts, go to the masjid. Go for Umrah, really, not to just say that I was there in Ramadan and I've got enough money to do and I accomplished that. Or go for Hajj, just for the sake that, you know, um, I've done my Hajj or whatever. Go there really to seek out Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Go to religious gatherings. Go to dhikr gatherings. You have to make that effort. So there's a physical effort that will help the other, go and study something, go and learn something. Or go and teach somebody else something as an excuse to, for us to be in that same environment. So, because when you take your body into that, inshallah the heart will continue as well. The hijrah, the migration is a sunnah of the Prophet And what's really interesting is that since the Prophet migrated, he never had a peaceful stay anywhere because there was constant movement. There was the defense that he had to do, they were the jihad that he had to undertake because he was, they were being attacked. Even after the Prophet passed away, Sahaba never stayed in one place. They moved for the sake of their deen. They traveled the world for their deen. And that's how many, many areas came under Islam because of their da'wah, right? Because of their, their efforts that they did in different places, right? That's why you have Ansaris and Faruqis and Siddiqis, meaning. Um, family of uh, descendants of Umar Farooq and Abu Bakr as-Siddiq and Uthman and Ali in India in the subcontinent they might not all be correct ones everybody that claims it but you have lots of Farooqis and, and so on right do we have any Siddiqis and Farooqis here and Uthmanis and Alawis and Sayyids anybody Alhamdulillah they're all over the world they're all, in fact, probably today in Medina Munawwara, in Medina Munawwara, you've probably got more, like I'm talking about not those people who are there for work, those who actually have citizenship, who actually live there for centuries. 
the majority of them are not original Arabs. They're either Indian Pakistani, um, Indian, because it was from that time, Indian subcontinent, African, Malay, or lots of uh, Turkic origin, Uzbekistan, all of those areas. Of course, today they just seem like Arabs, right? But I would say more than 50% are like that because most of the Ansar and so on, they, they, many of them disappeared. They went to Kufa, Basra, uh, and they established all of these Yemen, Sham, a lot of these, these places, and Iran, and all of these places. They went to these areas. Allah accept us for some kind of service to His deen. What do we do, man? Allah accept us for some kind of service to His deen and sort our heart out and protect us or from all of these things that are just there and we're just going after them. We're just going after them. Right? When, you, when a person will release themselves from all of that, that yeah, I can have that stuff if it's halal, but it should not overcome my heart. I should not be obsessed by it. MashaAllah, then they will get to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's court. So now he says, but are you going to be allowed to enter? You need to purify yourself first. You still got those clothes on. You still haven't taken a shower. You haven't washed yourself of all of that stuff yet, you know, in the, in the spiritual uh, side of things. How are you going to be able to enter here? They're not going to let you enter. So that's what we need to do then. The ruh. And the heart needs to be cleansed with the dhikr of Allah and the remembrance of Allah. And lots of tawbah and istighfar. Lots of tawbah and istighfar. And then inshallah, once that's purified. Because look, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, right? Surah An-Nisa, verse 43. Ya ayyuhalladheena amanu la taqrabu salata wa antum sukara. حَتَّى تَعْلَمُوا مَا تَقُولُونَ وَلَا جُنُوبًا إِلَّا عَابِرِي سَبِيلٍ حَتَّى تَغْتَسِلُوا O people who believe, do not, do not even go close to salat when you're in an intoxicated state. He's not saying that that means that you can drink when, you're, when you are not going to pray. Like early in the morning, late at night. No. This is just that initially it was just discouraged. It became discouraged to drink. And then what happened is that somebody had drunk and then they led the prayer and they messed it all up, the, the reading. I think it was, I worship, I, some, some really messed up. So then this verse came down that you can't do this now. And then eventually it was just completely and totally banned. But the, the, the point we're trying to make here is that you can't get close to this if you don't purify yourself first. So a lot of us want to be better, but we have to purify ourselves first. You have to make that tawbah. Is, so you know, um, when the scholars have written about how to get to Allah, the first thing they tell you that you must do, the absolute first step is you must make tawbah. Of what? Because that just keeps us down. And when you make the tawbah, the second thing they tell you to do is then to learn the ways of getting close to Allah. Without those two things, we can't get anywhere. Tawbah and ilm, knowledge. Then of course you need the inspiration to follow through with that. There's a lot of more deeper content here which... Um, I'm not going to discuss right now because that gets really complicated. But I'll just explain the last one before we finish, which is, okay, finally you've made it into the court, into the presence of Allah. But then he says, how can you start even understanding the subtle points that you will receive there? You know, every, um, 
Every environment has its own special features. It has a special environment, special points. How are you going to start understanding that if you've not repented of your offenses? So this is where it says that if you want to, and it says this is probably a place that is very difficult for most people to attain because this requires a lot of effort and people just get too distracted. But this is, I'll give you an example. There was one of the great scholars of the subcontinent and he joined the class. He used to be really, 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 uh, you could tell he's, in terms of practice, he was ahead of everybody else. But in class, he couldn't understand much in terms of writing. So academically, he, he was very poor. But the teacher let him stay in the class. And actually the teacher and the other students were all very intelligent and smart. They're like, why does he let him stay there when he can't even read properly? One day they decided to test him. So they're all in the same room. And he said that, okay, if you think that you're so pious or whatever, um, we want you to show us something, tell us something. So he said to them, I want you tonight. He stayed quiet first. Then he said, I want you tonight to pray turakats in the way the Sahaba prayed them. You do turakats all the time, but I want you guys tonight to just do two rakats. You know how the Sahaba prayed. I mean, you must have, everybody here must have heard how Sahaba Salat used to be when they would just stand and birds would be on there. Uh, they, they would come and sit on there and they could be basically hit by an arrow or whatever. And you know, you've read in Fadail Amal, you've read those stories. I want you to read, I want you, all of you to read two rakats today, like that. They took it seriously, they started after Isha. Turakats. No, this one isn't right. This one I didn't get it. This one I didn't get it. This one I didn't get it. Finally, at before Fajr, all night trying, they just had to just put their hands up to Allah and seek forgiveness that, Ya Allah, we weren't able to do this. That is where it became the Sahaba's prayer. Because Allah says in the Quran, وَهُمْ بِالْأَسْحَارِهُمْ يَسْتَغْفِرُونَ these are the people who worship Allah all night and then when it comes to that end time, they're seeking forgiveness for Allah, we've not been able to do it. That's when they first tasted the prayer of the Sahaba. Right? And this, this student, he later became the great Shah Ahmad Shaheed, right? who was eventually martyred in Bala court. Alright? Uh, the, the, the thing was that he would say some amazing things and explanations, but he couldn't. He, there's been lots of scholars like that. Um, you don't have to be exclusively like that. It's something that you would experience as well, that when you're teaching, sometimes you just never understood something, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just places something in your mind. I mean, you, it can happen in worldly things as well, that you just get a good idea. You ask Allah for guidance and sometimes Allah just gives you an idea of something. And mashallah, it's a successful idea. But this is happening in the deen. So that if you really want that, you need to make a lot of effort. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then will bring clarity to you. You will never doubt your religion in any way. You'll be very clear about why you're worshipping. You'll get the taste and the sweetness of faith. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make this easy for us. This is the way Sheikh Abdullah Gangohi then explains uh, this, uh, this wisdom. So he says, 
How can a heart become illumined when it has become consumed by the love of worldly wealth, reputation, offspring, property, idle thoughts, false hopes? There was no Facebook in his time. You know, there was no Netflix, but basically that you, it's all part of it. A heart that is fettered night and day with the chains of base desires, such as constant and excessive preoccupation with food, garments, or family, cannot advance to Allah Most High and the Divine Presence. When he wrote this, probably about 70 years ago, there was no way that you could do much at night. There were no lights. After Isha, people, there were no television. But now you can entertain yourself from Fajr to, uh, sorry, from Isha to Fajr and beyond, 24 or 7. Is it possible that a soiled heart can be permitted entrance into a pure court? A diseased heart is prohibited such an entry in the same way that a person in major impurity is not permitted into the pure arena of a masjid. Furthermore, a heart that has been afflicted in this manner cannot hope to comprehend the mysteries and divine subtleties of Tawheed. For the spiritual light to settle in the heart, the darkness of all the illusions of the world must be dispelled. When the deceased one has repented of all of this futility, then he may start to progress to a stage where he is endowed with the ability to understand even the divine mysteries. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make that easy for us. May Allah help us along in this path and Allah protect us from these things. Allahumma anta salam wa minka salam tabarakti al-jalali wa ikram. اللهم يا حي يا قيوم برحمتك نستغيث يا أرحم الراحمين يا ذا الجلال والإكرام يا معدن الجود والكرم يا أكرم الأكرمين ويا خير المسؤولين اللهم اغفر لنا وارحمنا اللهم اغفر لنا وارحمنا وعافنا وهدنا وارزقنا يا الله we ask you for your special mercies يا الله we ask you for your protection والله we ask you for your guidance Oh Allah, we ask you for beneficial knowledge. Oh Allah, we ask you protection from wasting of time. From dis- ya Allah, we ask you protection from distractions. Oh Allah, there are too many distractions. Oh Allah, oh Allah, there are too many distractions around. And oh Allah, we think that they're beneficial for us. Oh Allah, we take pleasure from these things. Oh Allah, we are addicted to these things. Oh Allah, we ask you to wean us of these things. We ask you to satisfy us with the good. And O oh Allah, we ask that you make us totally independent and suffice from all the evil which is out there. O oh Allah, we ask that you grant us the ability to see the good as the good and to follow it. See the truth as the truth and allow us to follow it. And see the wrong as the wrong and allow us to abstain from it. O oh Allah, give us strength. Ya Allah, give us strength. Ya Allah, strengthen our weaknesses. O oh Allah, Remove our weaknesses and allow our strengths to be used in those things which you are satisfied with. O oh Allah, keep us away from all of those things that dissatisfy you. O oh Allah, that bring your wrath, that bring darknesses in our life. O oh Allah, that remove the happinesses from our life, that remove the blessings from what you have given us. O oh Allah, you have given us abundantly. Ya Allah, you have given us abundantly. O oh Allah, do not make what you have given us to be a burden for us, to be a trial for us to be a temptation for us, to be a distraction for us, O oh Allah, to, to be a source of destruction for us in this world and the hereafter. O oh Allah, we want to be good. 
we start off in the morning with a good intention. But oh Allah, by the evening, we have corrupted ourselves. Oh Allah, we start in the evening, we even repent, but then we've spoilt our repentance. We've broken our repentance. Ya Allah, Ya Allah, give us istiqama. Give us steadfastness. Oh Allah, allow us to be punctual in our prayers. Allow us to fulfill all of our and make up all of our misprayers. Allow us to be our balance to be clean so that when we come in front of you and the first question will be about the prayers, at least we can pass that hurdle. Oh Allah, then things could look much more promising for us. But oh Allah, if we, if we, if we, are, if we are corrupted in that, then what is the rest of it? O oh Allah, bring us closer to the Qur'an. O oh Allah, allow us to understand the Qur'an, to infuse ourselves, to beautify ourselves with the Qur'an, adorn ourselves with the Qur'an, and elevate ourselves with the Qur'an. And with the sunnah of your messenger, Muhammad sallallahu make that beloved to our hearts. O oh Allah, make it conducive for us. Make our surroundings conducive for us. O oh Allah, assist us in being those who help themselves and help others, who are productive people. And O oh Allah, accept us for the service of your deen. O oh Allah, bless all of those who sit here today, who listen at home. And O oh Allah, we ask you for the blessings of our brothers and sisters who are not here. And O oh Allah, we ask you for shifa of those who are sick. And O oh Allah, forgiveness for those who have passed. And O oh Allah, we ask that you bless all of those who make these programs uh, possible here. And we ask that you accept from them and their families and all of us. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun wa salamun ala mursalim alhamdulillahi rabbil The point of a lecture is to encourage people to act, to get further, an inspiration, an encouragement, persuasion. The next step is to actually start learning seriously, to read books, to take on a subject of Islam and to understand all the subjects of Islam, at least at their basic level, so that we can become more aware of what our deen wants from us. Uh, and that's why we started uh, Rayyan courses, so that uh, you can actually take organized lectures uh, on demand whenever you have free time, especially, for example, the Islamic Essentials uh, course that we have on there, the Islamic Essentials Certificate, which you take 20 short modules. And at the end of that, inshallah, you will have gotten the, the basics of uh, most of the most important topics in Islam, and you'll feel a lot more confident. You don't have to leave lectures behind. You can continue to, leave, uh, you know, to listen to lectures, but you need to have this more sustained study as well. Jazakallah khair and assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.